Thanks so much for joining us and for tuning in to the Steeple Church podcast. Our hope as you listen in is that you might encounter Jesus, hear and receive his love, and be encouraged and empowered by his spirit to be and bring life and love to one another and to the other in your world. If you would like to get in touch with us or keep up to date with what's happening in and through the life of Steeple Church, please jump onto our website at steeplechurch.com.au or follow us on the socials via Facebook or Instagram at steeple.church. We're looking forward to meeting you one day soon, but in the meantime, enjoy the message. Bless your fam. Well, good morning. I have been so looking forward to being part of your community and uh, coming out to Steeple. You've got to understand... Steeple is, for many of my friends, this is the epitome of what we think church should be. And you have an amazing leader in Corey. And I'm just saying that because he's my friend. But genuinely, the call of God on Corey and this church, I think is incredible. And I think you guys are sitting the way of pioneering something that many churches are going to look at. And just don't take it for granted. Just... It's quite historic. It doesn't feel like that every week you come and kids are running around and it's cold and you have to wear masks. and It feels very ordinary, but there is something extraordinary happening here. I just really want to pray for you. Is that okay? Did we start? And uh, we'll open the Bible. Father, we thank you for Steeple. I pray you knit this community together, that they will be covenantal communities for one another. They'll be family. And that they will be salt and light in this region and in every region they start steeple. And Lord, I pray for every family member, every person, every single, that they will carry the good news of Jesus and demonstrate and proclaim it in their workplaces, in their neighbourhoods. And may you be pleased. And may we tell all of the stories and encourage one another in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, I grew up in a single parent home in Dufton, and I had, yeah, well done. Um, and I always get a bit scared of people who live in the eastern suburbs. They always lock their doors when they drive through Dandenong or where I grew up. Um, but I was really blessed because I came from a, a, a mum with sing, uh, mental health issues. I grew up in a commission house. I often stayed with my yaya. I'm Greek, my yaya. And uh, my mum was in and out of the psych ward and I had several dads, never met my biological dad. I remember my neighbour... One of my best friends went to jail for drug dealing and his best friend was a heroin dealer. That's where I grew up. And yet, in God's grace, we became followers of Jesus. And it was a little local church in Endeavour Hills with an 80-year-old lady that used to come and pick me up every week for church. She'd drive like this. She'd take half an hour to a 15-minute drive. But who knows that I'm grateful for that local church because somebody paid for me to go to Maranatha, whether you like Christian schools or not, represent. And, and for me, I became a new creation because of that community. What was destined for me to be involved in crime and all sorts of things, God was able to put his hand on my life because of a local church. And I think we underestimate what we can do together, the way that we can love and the way that we can change. I want to read to you from Colossians 3.10. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. 
Whenever you read the Bible, this is not just for us personally. In the West, we often read it as an individual, I'm becoming a new person, what God's doing for me. But, God, but this was written into a community. It's actually what we are becoming. And one of the greatest things of the gospel is not just what we do individually, but the way that we show the gospel. So if Corey and I are mates and we have a fight and he forgives me, that's the gospel demonstrated to all of you that we can forgive one another. Who knows where we have to forgive one another? Who knows that people get on our nerves sometimes? Who knows if you know people for more than five minutes that we are broken, that we sometimes rush or we sometimes don't mean to offend, but we get offense. In all of that messiness, when we love and forgive and choose grace is the gospel. So I think steeple is a foretaste of heaven. There is something beautiful about a community that loves one another. I grew up in a church and I'm really grateful for my heritage, but it was a Pentecostal church and it was very much about getting into heaven. It was like everything was about getting people to the front of the service, to give their life to Jesus and tick the box, you're getting into heaven. It was like getting your, it was like the Willy Wonka gold ticket. Right? And really, we didn't really talk much about how, about, it was like, once you got your gold ticket, you can do whatever the heck you want. As long as you've got the gold ticket, yay! And like, I remember as a kid going down to Daniel Market and handing out tracks. Is anyone old enough to remember tracks? This is a very young church. I feel very old here. I have to look to my brother over here, he's similar age. His wife is much longer, and I'm going to stop now. I get into trouble. But you understand, like, we remember tracks, right? Like, pictures of, like, we would say to people, do you want the good news? And we'd say, what is it? You're going to hell. Would you like to know Jesus? Now, I would go down, like, as a 13-year-old to Daniel Mark and hand out these tracks. And always at the end of the track, there was this picture of clouds as if, like, we all get our own kind of gown and a harp. And we all have our individual clouds. There's no picture of community. And it was always God's knees. He was so massive at the end of the track. It was this image. And it's funny how all these things build your kind of idea of heaven. Who's in and who's out. And it was definitely, I can remember even as a young kid growing up in a church, like if you had earrings, you were out. If you wore a hat in church, you were out. With the pastor wearing a hat in church. How, how the times have changed. And I think even in Jesus' time, he was trying to teach the disciples to have a paradigm shift to not think about in and out. Like often it was, if you tick these boxes, you're out. And if you do these things, you're in. But the kingdom of God is at hand. I really believe this is a word for you this morning, that steeple is a foretaste of God's kingdom. It's a taste of the now and not yet. And I want to read to you from this scripture in Matthew 8, 5 to 10. When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Jesus is just so beautiful. Centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word, my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. And I say, I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, 
He was amazed. And he said to those following him, everything Jesus did was in discipleship. So he had these guys with him on his hip. And in this interaction, he was like, listen to this. He was trying to teach them a lesson. Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Now, this would have blown these guys' mind. Why is that? Well, they were Jewish men, young men, and they hated the Romans. The Romans were their oppressors. Romans were Gentiles. They were not followers of Yahweh. They were under slaves. And here they were, they were persecuting them. And yet here's Jesus going, here's this guy, you know the one that you've judged? I was trying to think of an analogy, and there's no really good analogy in Australia. Think of, the, think of a group of people that you think are so different to you. There may be people like me from where I grew up, I don't know. Wherever it is, it could be, I don't want to give illustrations because they're terrible, but think in your mind, who is a person that you look at and judge we all judge people. We all put people in boxes and categories and we all think that, that like they're terrible. And yet this person, Jesus says, you know the person that you think is out? He's in because his heart is towards me. And it's not an in and out. It's actually making steps towards Jesus. Every step towards Jesus is in. And I think what he's saying in a modern translation today is that you can have a deacon in a suit with a, 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 one of those pocket watchers who comes to church every week and they can be facing away from Jesus. Because sometimes what we judge who's in is actually out and those who are out are in. Because the kingdom isn't, isn't about out and in. It's about making steps towards Jesus. We had a guy come to our church who had served 12 years in jail for ice dealing, in and out, in and out, two years stints and back in and out, terrible addiction. He missed his wedding. He missed the birth of his daughter. He was a really successful car salesman and then he just had this terrible addiction that he would steal things at night and do all sorts of things. And when I met this man, he had really come to Jesus. He was in, the, he was in jail and his date had come to get out and the day, the day had come and gone. And one of the worst things of being in jail is that your whole hope is gone. While he was in jail, somebody came and gave him a Bible and challenged him to genuinely pray. And he got down on his knees and he gave his life to Jesus. And then one of my pastors happened to do a week called uh, Kairos Ministry where they go and they listen to prisoner stories. They listen to this young man's story with all sorts of people and heard how his life had just been in a mess, all the things he missed, all the regrets he'd had, spending over a decade in jail. And he said to him, come to our church when you get out. And he did. And the, I can tell you that story, but I'm also a bit nervous to tell our church that we have an ex-felon because I know sometimes we judge people. We think we hold our purses a little closer and we... But isn't he a new creation? Isn't he being made brand new? Doesn't he get a second chance? And I meet with him every month and go through the Bible and he is changed. Now, with addiction, you've always got to put good accountability around you. And I'm not saying be naive, right? But there is something about the kingdom of God that is beautiful. 
What I love about this story is that Jesus is teaching them and the early disciples thought it was good enough for us to know that we can very easily intellectually judge that person will never come to church. Sometimes maybe you have friends and neighbours and you think, how will I ever get them to church? But isn't that not the goal? Isn't the goal to be the church? We've been brought up in this kind of system that says you have to, the end goal is to get them across the line, the Willy Wonka ticket, and the goal is to get them into a service where they hear the gospel. And they're good things. God uses that. But I think ultimately, wouldn't we love it to see every person at steeple be participating in God's kingdom? A taste of what heaven is. What I love is the picture of the table. Corey said it before. There's so many illustrations in the Bible of this table where there is a seat for every person. Everyone's welcome. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've become, whether you're raised in church or whether you've never been to church before, whether you've done the worst things, there is still a seat because God's grace and love and death and resurrection gives everyone a seat. One of the organisations we're involved in is called Gatehouse. Has anyone heard of Gatehouse? Gatehouse is an amazing organisation. started about 30 years ago in St Kilda, working with the street workers right there. It was started by Alan and Debbie Hirsch and South Melbourne Restoration Church, Church of Christ. And they started a drop-in centre. Because you know, the street workers there are mistreated terribly. It's awful. I won't even tell the stories. And so they started this drop-in centre for these women to get off the street and get a shower, have a rest, eat some food. They've done this ministry, amazing ministry, for 20 years. And they asked this question, why do women get involved in this kind of work? You know what they, they found out? Women are not, in Australia are not born into this lifestyle. Somewhere around 8, 10, 11, 12, women are exploited. That means a boyfriend takes advantage of them. They're in foster care and they trade food for sex. Whatever the reasons are, young women... Women in my neighbourhood, in Narry Warren, in Pakenham, in Dandenong. So they started a second drop-in centre. And we as a church have come alongside them to serve them, to love them, to say that in God's kingdom you have a seat at the table. So every week we provide food for their, for their group work. These women, these young girls, many of them are in group homes They have nobody who loves them. One of the things, really simple thing, was that the the centre's manager said to us, none of them have birthdays. Who here has a birthday get celebrated? All of us. I don't think there's anyone in the room. And if there's someone in the room, please come and see me afterwards. I'll pray for you and buy you a present. We take it for granted. Every year, somebody says, happy birthday, and buys you hopefully a thoughtful present. These young women in group homes... They're fighting to look after their own things and not have it stolen. They get taught about behaviours that are not good. Often the group homes are the worst place for them. So our church started throwing birthday parties for these young women. Who would think that making a cake would be a, a, a gospel presentation? But who knows that in that cake, putting someone's name on it, buying them individual presents and throwing them a birthday party Let me tell you, I've been down there. I've seen these girls weep when they open their box and they see their name on it. And they would weep and say, nobody's ever said my name. 
There are so many things that we can do to be the hands and feet of Jesus together. You know what I love about Gatehouse? Is that Jesus did and wants his church to stand up for exploited women. That's what our role is. And I'm not telling you to get involved in Gatehouse. I'm just using that as an example. But we need to work out what it is in Baldwin. What is it that you are standing in the gap and translating the gospel to do? And I'm sure you have many of these things. That's what we must do together. Maybe you're not going to be a social worker that can go down because we only let very few women go down because we don't want them to be Bible-bashed. We don't want them. These women need lots of care. But everyone can bake a cake. Everyone can buy a present. Everyone can pray. I think there's something about the kingdom of God that is beautiful when we stand in the gap collectively. In Revelations, it says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the older things have passed away. There'll be no more exploitation of women. That gets my heart. Wouldn't you love that? That we live in a place where women are not exploited? And you can put that with whatever it is that you're working with. We have hope in Jesus, in his kingdom, his kingdom coming. We get to taste a foretaste of it. We live in this broken world together. I know that you've had pain here. We're not in the kingdom yet. It's now and not yet. We've got small tastes of it. When we gather together, when we love one another, it's, we're showing the world that there's a taste of his kingdom. We have to, don't have to wait till heaven. In our local area, the local high school, Berwick, had the highest amount of youth suicide in Australia. There was a period there about 10 years ago between St. Francis, Berwick College, one of the other schools, where there was just over 50 suicides. This school has lived with this legacy. When I got to the school seven years ago, we began to just go down and support their camps. I think the church has to under-promise and over-deliver because so often the church overpromises and doesn't deliver. So we just began to be a faithful presence. Can I tell you? I wish I had the whole morning to tell you the stories. The principal of that school, she's a rough old Catholic girl. She came to our church and she said, one of the teachers actually killed himself. Here's a school that's been marred by tragedy. And we threw a big morning tea, ran counselling for them. And she said... The state schools sent us flowers. The local schools sent us cards. City life turned up. We are partners with that school. I said to Kerry, Kerry, what's something more that we could do in this school? She said one in four kids come from domestic violence. That means one in four, 2,000 kids, one in four come to school hungry because they're too much violence at home to eat breakfast. She said, could you cook breakfast on a Thursday morning? It's not rocket science, it's toasties. My son leads this amazing group of volunteers, 70-year-olds to 17-year-olds, who go down and cook 300 toasties every Thursday morning. We got up in front of our church and said, we want to do this again. COVID, we weren't able to do it. We've been doing it for four years. We got up in our church and said, we need four industrial toasty makers. Who knows the $60 Kmart one won't work with 300 kids. Our, our community rallied around. We got four industrial ones. We raised $4,000 to be able to feed these kids. And we stay behind and mentor a bunch of children. It's giving hope in the name of Jesus. It's saying we're here for the long run. Not just to Bible bash you or invite you to church, but we're going to be the church. We ran our youth group out of that school. 
we have worked with some of the most troubled kids because we want to continue to name Jesus. What stops us from doing this? I love basketball, if you can't tell. I love all my boys I've coached. And what fascinates me, I'm a pastor, but when I go down to the YMCA on a Monday night, I'm a parent. There are some families, and I, I don't want to be judging here because there's some people who work long hours, and, but there are people who drop their kids off and never watch their kids play games. I don't understand it. This is a volunteer run. To coach, you don't get paid, there's no bonuses, but I don't understand how I could just consume the basketball. I've coached my sons every year. And it has been my mission field. I get to talk to mums and dads and step-parents and all sorts of things because it's a mission field. But so often, I think like basketball, the church is like that. We think it's someone else's job. We treat the church like a restaurant, not a kitchen. A restaurant is you go and you have a meal and you leave a tip if it's good. If it's not so good, you write a bad Yelp review. And we, we, we know what's good, don't we? We can tell it's good service, don't we? If someone doesn't service quick enough, if they don't bring the cutlery, my wife and I went to Groove Train last night and it was packed. And the lady came up and she was like, I'm so sorry. Well, like, we're the easiest people. Don't worry, don't sweat it. But you can tell she's a bit nervous. Like, she hadn't quickly brought the water fast enough. We treat church like a restaurant. Is the singing really good? Is it not good? Is the kids' ministry good? Is someone going to look after my kids so I can come and... This is the problem in the West, not persecution, consumerism. But church is meant to be a kitchen. Do you, know, do you know what I mean by kitchen? Now, I have to admit to you, I can't cook. My wife does the cooking. But if I just sat there and, and sat there waiting for her to provide the food and then didn't clean up afterwards, don't we all play a place? We all lay the table. We all clean up. That's a kitchen. That's a family. So I want to finish with this question. What is God saying to you? What does steeple mean for you? I'm not sure what your gatehouse or your barrack is, but I guarantee Corey has them. What would it be to pray, to give, to lean in, to treat the place not as a restaurant, but as your family kitchen? That means we all welcome, we all serve. Now, not all of us can do this, right? You don't want me singing on B flat. But who knows that somehow in church, a couple roles have been elevated. I love the people who are unseen because those roles are as important as the seen ones. Can I pray for you as a church? We're just going to um, just pray just for a few moments. And I want you to ask this Kairos moment. What is God saying to you and what will you do? And then I'm just going to pray for you as a church. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you were teaching then and teaching us today about the Roman centurion, that we judge others. We put all these boxes. But Lord, your kingdom, you're at work. You're at work in Baldwin in ways that we don't even know or understand. You're wooing people like my friend from jail. You're wooing. You're standing in the gap for women. You're saying, I want the people of God to usher in the kingdom. So I pray for steeple right now, not the building, not the service, but the people, every person right now. May they have a Kairos moment. May it lead to leaning in, volunteering more, being a family on mission together. And may we tell the stories 
May you be pleased in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks again for tuning in to the Steeple Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged as you listened in. As I said at the top of the podcast, we loved having and hosting you in this way, but we'd love to hear from you and pray for you. So please drop us a line via our website or better yet, if you're local to Melbourne, drop in on one of our Sunday gatherings, 10 a.m. every Sunday at 208 Whitehorse Road, Baldwin. Peace and love, friends. Have a great week.